You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On. You get 20% off of your next order. I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today, so as I am recording this, uh, kind of late on Tuesday night, some uh, U.S. news broke about the president handing out a whole bunch of pardons on like his last day. And I thought, you know what? The spirit of forgiveness would make for a fun, stupid game. So that is what we were going to do. We we're going to find some players and some some entities, I guess, that didn't do so hot in the 2020 Viking season. And we are going to find it in our hearts to forgive them as we head into 2021. But before we get into that, there's a couple of things, uh, a couple of dumb little newsy things that I need to uh, quick weigh in on. First off, uh, Nick Corti, who is the over the cap guy who does a lot of the com- compensatory pick projections for them. And he's really, really good at it. Uh, he does say himself, you know, hey, with the, the lower salary cap and a lot of the like pandemic related stuff, it's not as clear this time, but for the most part, he's pretty on it when it comes to uh, forecasting who gets what compensatory picks, and he has the Vikings getting two. One for Trey Waynes, it is a fourth round pick, would have been a third round pick, but he got hurt, and one for Mackenzie Alexander, which will be a sixth round pick. So, there's that, and maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong when it all gets actually uh, announced, but for the purposes of your your mock drafting and your projections and stuff, that is what the Vikings will likely be working with. The other thing is, so I got a couple of questions, and a lot of people were talking about this, uh, and I couldn't find anything substantive, so here's the thing. Mike Florio, who you might know better as Pro Football Talk, uh, has some sources inside the league. He does some insider stuff. I am not a big fan of his source reporting. I find it a little bit hit or miss in, in terms of whether or not it bears out. But he is a pretty well-connected guy. And he went on a 49ers radio show of some sort, and they were talking about potential things to do about their uh, quarterback situation. And Kirk Cousins came up and he said, oh, yeah, it'd be a good idea if uh, Kirk Cousins or if, if the 49ers went and tried to trade for Kirk Cousins. You know, I, I wonder how high the price would be after his 2020 season. And, you know, this would work out this way and that way, yada, yada, yada. Right. And he was basically uh, pitching that as an idea for the 49ers. I think a quote or something got taken out of context because I got a whole bunch of questions about like, hey, have you seen these these Kirk Cousins 49ers rumors? And I don't think Florio was like reporting that he thinks a conversation is happening or anything like that. Like there is a difference when it comes to people with sources like they can also have opinions. Like if Ian Rappaport went on a show and said, oh, yeah, you know, I think uh, I think the Seahawks should trade Russell Wilson. That doesn't mean the Seahawks are trading Russell Wilson. (laughs) It just means that that's the opinion that he would have. And so I think that's what happened here. I think Florio had an opinion, like a pretty room temperature take that like, hey, if 49ers traded Jimmy Garoppolo for Kirk Cousins, like they'd come out ahead in that trade, which like, well, yeah, of course, I I don't think any 49ers fans even disagree with that. But that's a far cry from there actually being any motion or anything going on or even we don't even know if there's been like any conversation at all around that. And uh, if there is, yeah, we'll like follow up then. But for now, I think you can just safely say, yeah, Florio just like had a take. So let's move on to the main event of today. Today's show, which is Vikings pardons. So here's the thing. We are, we are we are in the spirit of forgiveness here. All right. There are a lot of transgressions from the 2020 season. The Vikings went seven and nine. That is obviously not even close to good enough. And that implies that some people done goofed. Some people did not do 
well enough. However, if somebody didn't do well enough, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to nuke everything and, and sever all ties, right? And I think that is kind of a critique that I have of the general community of football. And this isn't like just fans or this isn't about any of like listeners or anything like that. This is just generally like football communities tend to kind of go from zero to 100 like really, really quick. If there is a problem, it's sort of like, well, OK, well, I guess we have to fire that person or cut that player or, you know, get rid of that whatever. Uh, I, I, I get that tone in a lot of questions a lot of times, right? Like I've been doing a lot of research for a, a future episode, I'll probably write an article too about the Vikings in the screen game. They're really poor in the screen game, right? And some of the responses to like the clips and stuff that I that I posted online were like, well, who do we get rid of? Oh, get rid of Dakota Dozier. We have to get we can't keep Garrett Bradbury on the team. Look how bad he is. And, on the, and it's like, well, yes, these plays are very poor on those players. But if you want to make a decision about like the long term action that you should take regarding this player, like whether or not Vikings should sign Dakota Dozier. Hey, man, if they bring him back on an eight hundred fifty million or eight hundred fifty thousand dollar contract to be a backup like that actually isn't like that awful but you definitely shouldn't be a starter right i think we can probably agree on that more nuanced version of the take it's like they're not going to cut garrett bradbury i don't even think that saves them money too and he's their starting center they would have to replace him and there's probably way too high of a chance that they end up even worse at that position and more expensive so of course that's not like a good idea but it seems like we always kind of see one bad play and we go okay well we have to do something about this right we can't just let this problem simmer and go unsolved so i guess the only thing we can think of to do is to give fire the problem. And you can't always fire the problem. Sometimes you have to show a little patience. And so that is what we're going to do. I have five pardons that I am ready to hand out here for the rest of the show. But first, today's episode is brought to you by TurboTax. You're one of a kind, and so are your taxes. And that is why TurboTax Live has experienced tax experts who are ready to listen to you, learn about your unique tax situation, and help you get the best tax outcome. Maybe you're moonlighting as a rideshare driver, you have questions about what qualifies as a deduction, right? Gas, maintenance, whatever. Maybe you want an expert to walk you through the whole process since most of your income last year came from freelance jobs, like what a lot of people had to do, especially with uh, quarantine and the pandemic. Or maybe you'd like to just hand the whole tax filing process off to an expert and just not have to think about it. TurboTax Live Tax Experts are here to help, giving you the confidence to know that your one-of-a-kind, uniquely you taxes are done right into it. TurboTax Live. And I also want to talk to you about 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Get it? Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches January 18th. You can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Are you planning on betting on conference championship weekend? Then I highly recommend that you give a listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and a handicapping expert, Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick hitting advice so you can make the smartest possible wagers, unlike yours truly, who needs that advice very badly. Subscribe to the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so let's talk about some of these pardons. So for the my, my first pardon of a Minnesota Viking, I think it should be a relatively uncontroversial one. I would like to start on the offensive side of the ball and pardon 
right guard Ezra Cleveland. Ezra Cleveland was put into a pretty impossibly difficult situation due to some problems that were entirely out of his control, right? The, the Vikings cut Josh Klein. That was a bad move. Uh, Pat Elfline had been hurt. Drew Samia didn't work out. Uh, they didn't have any other options, and Ezra Cleveland had to go in well before he was ready. And if you watch him play in that Atlanta Falcons game, the first game that he ever played in, he was very clearly overmatched. He had to come in and, and hold his own against Grady Jarrett, and he got his butt kicked because he was flipping sides from left to right. He was kicking inside from tackle to guard. That's a lot of stuff to learn, not to mention just adapting from college life to life in the NFL, which is a transition that some players never make at all. And he had to make it in all of those circumstances while also not having the preseason that players usually have to uh, to, to to acclimate. This, the deck was completely stacked against Ezra Cleveland. And here's the thing. Sometimes, if you have a really, really bad rookie year, you can kind of expect that that, that person won't, like, come around, right? After Laquan Treadwell's rookie year, you could reasonably use that rookie year to project that he wasn't going to have some sort of renaissance, or if he did, it would be a pretty spectacularly rare thing. But as for Cleveland's rookie year does not meet those thresholds, this is one that is absolutely excusable, especially considering all of the circumstances, but it's one that actually, there were a couple games where he just played pretty well at right guard, and to even make people, and I don't know if I agree with these people, but make people kind of uh, suggest that maybe he should just stay at right guard and maybe we just drafted a right guard in the second round. We just have our guy and that's great. I still think he has some tackle-esque habits, like he's a little bit late with his hands. He oversets a little bit because he's used to having to cover more ground like you do at tackle than you do at guard. You can listen to a recent episode. Uh, I forget when it was, but there's a recent episode about Ezra Cleveland. If you want to know more of my thoughts about that, I went into way more depth. But for now, suffice it to say that Ezra Cleveland and his shaky rookie year have received the Locked On Vikings pardon. The next pardon that I'm going to give out goes to maybe a controversial one, but I'm going to give a pardon to Dan Bailey. Dan Bailey did not have a great season, and I don't think there's anybody who has any qualms about saying that. However, Dan Bailey has a track record of getting over bad stretches. Every kicker, you know, he's been in the league for, I don't know, 600 years. And when you've been in the league that long, you're going to have some some rough patches. And the fact that he's shown that he can get over them means that I don't think the Vikings need to hit the panic button quite yet. Now, he's a little expensive for a kicker and he's getting up there in age. So maybe bringing in somebody young, some fresh blood, a piece of competition in training camp, that's probably always going to be a good idea no matter how the previous year went because it's just an opportunity to maybe get cheaper or something like that. And I think the kicker position can be handled a little, little bit differently than with something like quarterback, where you have to show a certain degree of loyalty. But there were really two distinct patches for Dan Bailey that were very difficult. The first one came uh, during the Jacksonville and Tampa Bay games. There were this back-to-back stretch. Of course, Dan Bailey totally melted down in that uh, Tampa Bay game, and he was pretty bad in the Jacksonville game as well. And it turned out that, at least if you believe Ryan Longwell's word on it, who uh, came out later and said, yeah, I called the Vikings and I told him this. This is what I think is going on. He's planting his foot too close to the ball. That's pushing the ball wide. And if he can just kind of change a little bit about his mechanics there, he should be totally fine. It's like when you're slicing a whole bunch of uh, drives to the right and a golfing coach comes in and says, nah, tuck your elbow in next time. And then you're hitting them straight. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Now it's fixed. Then it seemed like it was totally fixed. And then he hurt his back and he had to kind of kick through that through the, the end of December. And he had a couple of rough patches there as well. But again, he was like injured. That'll heal and that won't carry over into 2021. So for Dan Bailey's 2020 season, it was very poor. Nobody's arguing that. But I am here to issue him the official 
potential locked on Vikings pardon for that 2020 season. And even though we might bring in some competition in 2021, that has more to do with kind of team management, like resource management stuff and just trying to get younger and all that stuff. And it's just always kind of healthy to bring in a guy, make him beat a guy in training camp, right? So I think they should do that anyways, even though Dan Bailey is pardoned. We did one on offense. We did one on special teams, but let's talk about one on defense. There were a lot of problems on the defense. One of those problems was Todd Davis. Todd Davis was brought in as a free agent after Anthony Barr hurt his shoulder. He was supposed to give a little bit more depth to that linebacker group, so he didn't have even the truncated offseason to learn things about the Vikings scheme. Now, he came from Denver, where he played in Vance Joseph systems and Vic Fangio systems and even Wade Phillips when he was uh, on the on the Super Bowl defense there. So he was pretty unfamiliar, I think, with the things that Mike Zimmer asks uh, linebackers to do. He plays inside linebacker, did a lot of run defense stuff, but a lot of the like sim pressure and then get back and a lot of the other kind of things that Zimmer asks of linebackers, especially when it comes to communication and kind of what responsibilities he has to know to take from other linebackers and stuff. It's just a different language and it's a much different set of assignments. So to get used to that took a really long time. And unfortunately, he didn't end up getting the time to get that acclimation and get that preseason and stuff. With another season, I kind of have a feeling that Todd Davis would be able to, to play as a, as a rotational kind of uh, two down third linebacker. That is a lot of what he did in Denver during his time. He was kind of a rotational guy. He didn't take all the snaps because they had Danny Trevathan and Brandon Marshall. You know, they had all these superstars over there, especially in the 2015, you know, the really good Wade Phillips defenses, but they had a lot of good players over there at linebacker, at inside linebacker, and Todd Davis would rotate and he would be a rundown guy. And, and that was a role that worked for him. The Vikings couldn't ask uh, less of him than they asked because they didn't have any other players, right? So they kind of had to ask him to be the all-around linebacker guy. And that's just never the intention with a guy like Todd Davis. I think Todd Davis can excel in a potential 2021 situation if the Vikings have the luxury of only asking him to do what he's good at instead of asking him to learn to do stuff from scratch, and then he ends up being pretty poor at it. And even then, when the season kind of went along, he wasn't that bad anymore. He kind of started to get the run fits in a little bit better. He still got blown up a little bit. He still gave up some things in coverage, uh, and he wasn't exactly a threat in the blitz, which the Vikings kind of need him to be. But I, I would say as a as a Ben Gideon type I think Todd Davis should come back in 2021. So here I am extending the official Locked On Vikings pardon to Todd Davis. There's a lot more that I want to talk about on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, that's where most of the problems were. So that's going to be where most of the uh, forgiving will have to be done. But first... Let's talk about a little bit of Grambling. With betonline.ag, you can get in on all kinds of fun little props and you can bet on the games and all that, but here's a fun one. You can bet on the first pick of the 2021 NFL draft. Now, if you're going to bet on Trevor Lawrence, it's minus 5,000, so there's not a lot of value in that there. However, if you're one of those people that thinks maybe Urban Meyer, head coach of the Jaguars, is going to get loyalist about it with no combine, with uh, that that is something, I haven't really talked about that, but there's not going to be a combine as it usually is. There'll be some regional things there's going to they're going to kind of officialize some pro days and stuff but teams aren't going to get a chance to like talk to people and if you want to make your like tie your head coaching opportunity to a quarterback you might want to do one you already know so if you think that Justin Fields will be the first overall pick rather than Trevor Lawrence I personally don't but if you do you could get in on that at plus 1200 and if you're right 
that's a that's a pretty good payout. Whatever you are planning on betting on, Bet Online is the number one option. It's the only place that we all trust here at the Locked On Podcast Network. And you can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. You can use the promo code Locked On, all one word, all caps, for your fifty percent welcome bonus. That's promo code Locked On to receive a fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and much, much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast. So let's continue here. Got a couple more pardons left. I've done three of the five. The next one is going to go. This is one I, I think you all knew was going to come from me. Uh, I'm going to give a pardon to Anthony Harris. Anthony Harris was asked to do a lot. And this is a question that has come up in just about every uh, Tuesday mailbag. And like, it makes sense that it's like kind of confusing, right? Because Anthony Harris seems to have had quite a down year, especially in the last few games. He was just dreadful. He was taking poor angles and all that stuff. But here's the thing. Anthony Harris basically was given the task this year without getting too deep into schematic stuff, but he was given the task this year of cleaning up for a whole bunch of players who weren't ready to play corners who were young players like uh, Jaleel Johnson and Eric Wilson, who shouldn't be starting, but ended up starting because of bad circumstance or bad decision making. And a lot of the plays where you noticed Anthony Harris being bad, he was only involved in that play because somebody else got beat before him. And I think that means that, that for a lot of those plays, the way to fix Anthony Harris's play would be to get a reasonable corner and a reasonable nose, ta- nose tackle so he doesn't have to be the one crashing in from 30 yards to be the only guy with a shot at making the play. I think it, it is it speaks to a larger systemic problem with the defense rather than Harris himself. There were a lot of times in the last few games, for example, where it, when you're a safety, you have to make a decision about the angle you're going to take at a running back. When a running back bursts into the second level, you need to go crash in to make the tackle, right? If you want to stop that tackle, and there are a lot of times where Anthony Harris would come in a little bit hesitantly because he was making this decision and he wouldn't pop the guy like like Harrison Smith would. And then the guy falls forward for two more yards and eventually that production adds up. So instead, near the end of the season, he started coming in a little bit more aggressively. But to come in aggressively and steep and just run directly at the running back, you kind of need to trust that that running back is going to be slowed down a little bit. Otherwise, they'll juke you out of your shoes, which is what ends up happening because somebody like Eric Wilson or the aforementioned Todd Davis or somebody like, I don't know, Shamar Stefan or somebody didn't do their job and let that running back have a free uh, path right to the safety. That's why Alvin Kamara was able to make him look silly all the time because it was basically a one-on-one Alvin Kamara, Anthony Harris, Oklahoma drill with no boundaries. It's way favors the running back. So he was in a lot of situations where he was kind of between a rock and a hard place because of failures elsewhere on the team. Add to this that he was asked to be a cover two do-it-all safety. Now, cover two corners, they don't have to do a lot, and that's the point of cover two is so that you can kind of hide your uh, deficient corners and put a little bit more leverage on your very good safeties. That was the whole point, right? And I think we all kind of accepted that cover two was to some degree working that way. Cover two is not a great scheme on the whole, and it's easy enough to pick apart, uh, but it's better than running cover three and having guys blow coverages all the time, which is what happened in week one against the Packers. So if we can accept that the Vikings did a reasonable job of of hiding guys like Chris Jones, like Cameron Dantzler before he kind of kicked it on later in the season and you could tell when he was and wasn't ready to play, guys like Jeff Gladney. If you can accept that the Vikings did a decent job of hiding those cornerbacks, then that 
like doesn't follow unless you also admit that Anthony Harris did that job at least well enough. And I, and I think he did. I think he kind of had a, a quiet year because he didn't have enough opportunities to jump on the ball. A lot of what the Vikings did with Anthony Harris last year had to do with what I'll call like robber zones or I'll call it uh, cover three buzz. And what cover three buzz is, is it looks like cover four, which is four deep defenders. So you have both the corners playing the sideline deep and then you'd have Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris in the middle, uh, kind of splitting up that middle of the field. You'd have four deep people. And that was kind of the meta in 2019. And a subversion on that concept is instead of having Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris split up the middle of the field, Harrison Smith takes the whole middle of the field and Anthony Harris reads the quarterback's eyes and tries to jump the route for an interception. He got a bunch of interceptions that way and he was able to make a whole bunch of plays. Sometimes Harrison Smith would be that guy and and that's they call it like a buzz zone where you're kind of buzzing underneath. If you do that same idea, but you make it look like cover two and then the guy goes underneath and it's you call it like a robber zone, uh, that's cover one robber. And so a lot of times Anthony Harris would be tasked with basically telling him, hey, go be a playmaker, and he would go make that play. But he didn't necessarily get too much of a chance to do that because they couldn't ask him to go be a playmaker and go make the play. They had to ask him to hold the hand of like a cornerback that was on the street two weeks ago. So he had a bit of a quieter season, and then he started taking some poor angles. I don't think he had as good of a season as like 2018 or 2019, obviously, but I don't think it was the catastrophe that a lot of people make it out to be. So here I am extending the official Locked On Vikings pardon to Anthony Harris. And the final Locked On Vikings pardon is going to go to Mike Zimmer because Mike Zimmer was up against it this year. He had to make a lot of those decisions where he had to kind of take a lot of the playmaking ability away from Anthony Harris so he could babysit a corner that wasn't ready to play. He had to do a lot of... uh, uncreative blitzing because he didn't have his classic blitzing weapon in Anthony Barr. He had to play things a lot more straight up. With Anthony Barr, it was like having a free rusher that could change protections in a way, you know, you could make them account for six people, but only blitz five, and you can still ruin the protection the way that you want to ruin it, but you can still drop six into coverage. It's like being able to threaten blitz with six, but also cover with six and have a 12th person on the field. That's what Anthony Barr offered to the Vikings. But without him, if you wanted to threaten six, or if you wanted the the offense to have to account for six credible pass rushers, you needed to send six real life people and only drop five. And doing that blitz is a lot riskier. And Mike Zimmer was kind of painted into a corner in that way because he didn't have that classic weapon. He didn't have the classic edge rushing uh, that he usually was able to rely on in the way that he designs, he and Andre Patterson design their pass rushes. A lot of times it kind of sets up where you have you know, defensive tackle, hold your spot, defensive tackle, hold your spot, edge rusher, you just get up and around to make sure that he can't escape to this way. And Daniil Hunter, go beat the guy and and we should have him penned in with the way that all these guys are kind of set up. It was a spacing game. But without those edge rushers to pay it off, he basically just had to tell all of his guys, all right, everybody just try to win. And we just kind of hope and nobody was good. So nobody was able to do it. So Mike Zimmer was painted into a corner. A lot of the smart things that he was able to do in previous seasons, if you don't have players who can execute a concept, you can't really run that concept and you just kind of have to hope hope you can do it and go vanilla. He had to run a lot of things like stunts and a lot of other slow developing things, things that have legitimate costs that Zimmer doesn't usually like to run, but he was kind of forced to because it was the only thing he could do to have any sort of reasonable defense with those players. This was not Mike Zimmer's fault by any stretch of the imagination. And beyond that, I think Mike Zimmer had this defense 
playing better than the sum of its parts. And that does not mean that they played well. But I think the sum of its parts, especially at the end when it was Blake Lynch and Eddie Yarborough who didn't make the team and Cordria Tankersley, these guys who are a far cry from even rosterable, these guys, I don't think they'd be starting in the XFL. And sometimes you get a game like the Saints game where they put up 52 and sometimes you get an actually like sort of reasonable performance out of those players like the game against Carolina or having the, the, the defense play the way they did against say Green Bay in Lambeau. I think that showed a lot of growth and I think my Mike Zimmer on the whole got these guys to play better than they would if you took Mike Zimmer out and you put just an average defensive mind in. I think there was added value here. So here I extend the locked on Vikings pardon to Mike Zimmer. However, that I think logically I, I have to do an honorable mention here, which is somebody I'm absolutely not pardoning for the 2020 season. And that person is Rick Spielman. You might have heard me hint at it throughout this show where I say, well, you know, somebody's painted into a corner because of bad decision making elsewhere, because there wasn't the right player available, because they didn't have the personnel to do this or that. And that all falls squarely on Rick Spielman and by extension, the rest of the front office. But I'll kind of use Rick Spielman as a proxy for like Spielman and staff. Um, and that was a big problem. The 2020 offseason was botched. And I don't think that I'm exaggerating by saying that. I think the 2020 offseason was a, a complete catastrophe of an offseason, uh, at least up until the draft. The draft, I think we can be happy with. But the free agency period, cutting Josh Klein, that turned out disastrously. Obviously, the right guard position had a huge impact on the season. Trading Stefan Diggs, I talked a lot about that on Monday and how that was a decision that I think was more likely to be negative than positive. Turned out positive, lucky us. But that's only because they like had to nail the draft pick and they did. Uh, they they passed. This is the one that bothers me the most is they passed on several cornerbacks. You can go back to my uh, my episodes from June and May and March. I had I was screaming about this all freaking offseason. There were cornerbacks out there that would have been reasonable that would have helped the Vikings so much. You wouldn't have had to start Cameron Dantzler until he was ready. He would have come in in like week 10 and been great. And we all would have been like, why wasn't he starting before? And it's unfortunate because we know why he wouldn't have been starting before. Uh, and if you could have just gotten a Darkeese Denard who wasn't great, but he would have been serviceable or or Nickel Roby Coleman. Uh, there are so many of these players that ended up signing like $1 million deals, deals the Vikings could have afforded and they weren't in on it. And I think that is an inexcusable mistake. So here's the thing. I I'm not going to be a fire the GM every time guy. Again, this, we, we, there are more solutions than uh, nuking the problem by firing the guy responsible for it. But Rick Spielman has to take 2020 on the chin. Despite the pandemic, despite all the COVID stuff, all those excuses, I think, apply to Zimmer more than Spielman. I think Spielman totally pissed this one down the toilet. And that goes on his resume, canceling out other really, really good off seasons that Rick Spielman has had that built what was supposed to be a Super Bowl contending roster in the first place in, you know, like 2017 and even 2015, if Blair Walsh makes the kick, what happens, right? Building that roster, I think he gets a lot of credit for, but this 2020 free agency period, especially, and just a lot of the decisions they made and didn't make, Rick Spielman has to take this one square on the chin. He did not set his head, head coach up to succeed. And I think a large portion of the responsibility for the seven and nine team goes to the team building front office and Rick Spielman in general. But hopefully that good 2020 draft can kind of kick in in a, a greater sense when everybody takes that second year leap right as we kind of have come to expect from rookies. And hopefully 2021 can be a lot better. And maybe the 2021 free agency is another chance to redeem some of those mistakes. So tomorrow, I think unless something big breaks, I'll talk about uh, the screen game. So it's going to be a little bit of a film episode, X's and O's. If you're into that, come out, come hang out and listen. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. See y'all tomorrow. And as always, Skull.